Feeling in touch with your religious side? Wanting to rid yourself of sin? It's your lucky day because God is a trans woman, woman. Sasha Sidek. And Jesus is non binary, binary, binary. Jacob Gamble. Join, Join us on Queering the Air every Sunday from 3 to 4 p.m. Queer and trans, arts, politics, pop culture, and everything in between. Only on TreeCR Community Radio. Come worship at the altar of your queerness desires. And that was the intro with Sasha and Jacob, but I am Tony, and I'm hijacking the show today, and I'm really, really excited. So today, um, I will be having a chat with the amazing B.B. Blackhouse, and I'll quickly read his bio out just so that everyone can get a little bit of an understanding about our amazing guest today. So B.B. Backhouse, hailing from the Kimberley region of northwestern Australia, B.B. Backhouse is a descendant of the Badi Jawi people, who has called Nam Melbourne home for 10 years. Beginning his creative practice as a classical pianist and composer, B.B. was awarded West Australian Youth Award at age 21 for his work as a music teacher to young Indigenous people. He later made a name for himself as a creative producer and director of youth theatre, festivals and public art projects across Australia including international dance and theatre projects in New Zealand, France and Belgium. While holding senior positions at leading public arts organisations in Melbourne, BB successfully fostered many artistic opportunities for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander creatives to showcase their work in mainstream platforms, allowing the traditional culture to thrive in the public realm. A leader in designing and delivering high-profile programs and strategic projects for Australia's diverse communities, BB is a frequent commentator on the arts and culture community, holding cultural integrity at the forefront. He has a passion for advocacy, advancement and the health and well-being of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. After being published in the anthology Growing Up Aboriginal in Australia, edited by Anita Heiss, B.B. continues to share his life experiences through his writing with the hopes of enabling connection and inspiration. More Than These Bones is B.B.'s debut solo publication, and that's what we'll be having a chat about today. Welcome to the studio, B.B. Can I just um, quickly say I really love and appreciate that you actually pronounced it pianist and not pianist. Oh, really? <laughs> it's just one of my pet peeves. Wait, wait, what do people say? Pianist? <laughs> they say pianist. So I'm like, do you say piano or piano? Anyway, I just, I love that you said pianist when you read it oh, out. I was like, yes. <laughs> I think it's my accent. And also it's a very, that word is similar to another P yeah. word that I normally say all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, you sound like a professional. Stop it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I've been trained really well by Sasha and Jacob, but honestly, it's, it's an honor having you here. And for everyone that's uh, that's unaware, today we'll be having a chat about this uh, collection or we'll say book, but it's more than a book. It's 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 for me having a read through it. And I've been very, very lucky to just finish reading it, but more than these bones. Um, and 
if you're okay with it, would you like, can I read out a little bit of a blurb to some oh, people please. are aware? Yes, yeah? yes. Okay. Uh, ladies, and, ladies and gentlemen, and all of our other friends in the entire universe, B.B. Backhouse has compiled a stunning and transformative debut poetry collection that remembers the past so his future may be written. No memory stone has been left unturned as the reader is led on a diarized journey of experiences and relationships which are often complex and intimate and always raw. Pieces land uh, pieces land in multiple settings, the bar, the beach, the bush, and sometimes the bedroom, each location le- lending itself to another dimension of his story so far. The canopy of this collection stretches seamlessly from chic to ancient, from tender to tough, as Backhouse's writing offers a vital, polyphonic voice of our times. Alongside his words are images and hand-drawn expressions which speckle the page, every line the tattoo of an echo. More Than These Bones is filled with a love of flesh for others, for country, and eventually for self. Oh my God! That wow, that sounds impressive. Hey, it's impressive. <laughs> Actually, it's it, it's so impressive. Like I love, you know, reading the back of the you know, the blurb, or I forgot what the technical term is for this part of the book at the back of it. But it's more than that for me. I mm. found it just stunning. Uh, now. For those uh, for those who will be reading the book, um, and for those who are just uh, I guess um, having a little bit of a gist of what the book is about, in your own words, BB, tell us a little bit a little bit about more than more than these bones. Mm. Oh God, it's it's basically a a confessional, yes, um, and a testament to the different relationships that I've had throughout my life, um, and each one of those relationships has meant so much to me Um, and they continue to do so even when they dissipate and and, and end Um, so this book more than these bones really for me is um, a a deep dive into how people have altered me how they've changed me um, and how I have gone on to learn more about myself and really discover myself for the first time ultimately. Um, You know, when uh, the book kind of begins with this summarization of my very first gay relationship and I came out at the beginning of that relationship when I was 18 years old and prior to that point I had no intention of coming out. I grew up in a small country town and... um, so with with this man's encouragement, I, I came out to my f- my family and my friends, and ten years later we were still together. And so it was interesting because when the relationship ended, I didn't have uh, any real grasp of what my gay identity was because mm-hmm. it was all with him. Right. And so without him, I was asking myself, who am I? Right. And so I had to to learn who I was, and I the way that I did that was by immersing myself within the community here in Melbourne and, uh, you know, dare I say it, forging as many um, relationships as I could, um, you know, and and those weren't just, you know, the intimate kind as well. They were Mm. friendships. But through that process, I um, also was able to identify these really deep layered feelings and emotions that I carried for my grandmother and the loss mm. that, uh, you know, her death um, ultimately handed me. Right. Um, she was my best, best friend growing up and she died um, 
within three months of my 10-year relationship ending also. So there was this wave of loss that I encountered. And so this book is a representation of that loss, of the journey that I was going through. Um, But also the, the exciting and wonderful growth that I encountered through it all. That is amazing, and I think um, I've never read. I mean, I've 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 been to uh, our queer bookstores and I've picked up a few different books and and read a few of the stories. And it was really hard for me to sort of connect to some of the the queer literature literature that's already out there, especially something that is uh, literature or poems or just stories that is sort of centered here in Melbourne. And what um, like you alluded to a little bit earlier, but there's a lot of references to places in Melbourne. Yeah, and it made me feel like, oh my gosh, is this my diary that I'm reading? Like, yeah. is this my book of love? Like, I'm getting heartbroken. It's not even my love story. Oh. Like, I'm, I'm like feeling heartbroken over here. And like, I remember like one of the, like, I love watching you know, series of movies that sort of based and you can see things that are sort of around that's familiar to you. And mm. So, I mean, you had Stop 10 on Swanston Street. Yeah. You had these amazing pictures of places in Maribyrnong and um, you talked about the freeways, you know, and mm. uh, all these different suburbs like Kensington and all these different places. You, you, you Melbourne, you spent 10 years of your relationship in, like, during your relationship was based here in Melbourne. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and it was um, going back to the beginning of the book, Mm. you know, not everything written in this book was written post-relationship ending. So it all started at least 13, 14 years ago when that relationship started. And I would just pen these little poems and thoughts into my journals and... um, uh, I had no intention of ever sharing them, but they were just little moments of release for me to go, oh, I'm feeling madly in love with this guy. I'm going to write about it and yeah. I'm not going to tell him because yeah. <laughs> I'm shy. But um, And then when the relationship ended, that's when I was like, okay, I'm feeling so much more. And, you know, it's, it's described as being a diarised um, piece of work. And it really is because the photographs that are scattered throughout the book are the photos that I would take in the exact moment that I would write the corresponding piece. Right. Um, So there's a piece in here called Grief is a Terrible Dinner Guest, and you've referred to that one with the the Tram Stop 10 and um, Swanston. Um, So that particular piece was written at a bench in Thornbury Park um, in Ascot Vale, and that was the, the the a little bit of a story behind that one. As an example, that was a the last place that my grandmother and I sat together oh, wow. um, bef- on her last trip to Melbourne before she died. Right. And so after her death and after I returned to Melbourne after Sorry Business, uh, I was gone for several months and I came back and um, I went and sat at that bench, wrote the poem, oh. took a photo and then that's what you see in the book. And so it really is this diarised confessional um, that, you know, captures all of these different moments. And, it, it, you know, I would go out to coffee yeah. um, with a friend or with a family member and we'd, we'd have an experience and I'd write about that and I'd take the photo. So, yeah, it really is this interesting kind of free tour yes. <laughs> of Melbourne in a sense. Absolutely. Um, but I have a similar experience. Like, I don't know if you've ever um, read the book Holding the Man or seen yes. the movie. It's absolutely stunning in both mm. um, editions of it. But 
I when I first read that book in high school, I remember thinking something very similar, like, oh, I know that oval that he's talking yes, about, you know, right. when he goes into the toilet block, wink, wink, yes. and all that sort of stuff. And I was, I got, I, I get really excited. The old Allen's Factory yes. and South Bank, and so I get really excited about being able to discover something that someone's written because it's in a real place at a yes. real point in time and then being able to visit that place and go, wow, this happened here. I'm yes. not saying that anyone's going to have that experience when they're reading this <laughs> book. I hope they do. But there's something magical about being able to take a real moment and a real experience with all of those real emotional attachments and translate them into something that you can share with someone else through their hands. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, like you, uh, if, if, if anyone gets an opportunity, like go buy the book, uh, there's a lot of different photos in there. And mm. it's sort of like, I, I remember seeing beautiful photos. Uh, you've got some photos in New Zealand as well, yeah. and, um, at Pihi Beach and Northkid at a cafe. And it's all these things that, I mean, it was really great to read the poems and then be like, wow, what a beautiful poem. But then being attached to that image as well, I felt that. So mm. if that was your intention, I definitely felt that. So thank you. I'm really glad yeah <laughs> well i'm going to um we're gonna go to our first song for today and today i picked five songs and it was sort of in ode i guess to uh the book more than more than these bones and the first song i'm going to play is in reference to page 12 uh which is uh, a poem if you don't mind oh i don't know if you've got page 12 I do. Um, would you mind reading this short poem on page 12 for us i would baby? love to and then we'll introduce our next song it is called Wonder Lost. We'll always be free to move, and we'll always be safe to dream. In a sky full of stars, where two silver comets, we can wander anywhere through bustling cities or dead grass country. Wherever we might go, the world will always be on our side. BB Backhouse, and that leads us to our song, Electric Fields, 2000 and whatever, uh, in ode of Wonder Lust. And Sasha will cue that up for us now as we get that up and running. So Electric Fields, we, I love this band, I love this group, and I love everything that they do, especially their performances that we've had here in Pride and uh, Victoria's Pride. And for me, seeing them on uh, as a finalist for Eurovision, uh, they should have won. They should have represented Australia, um, as always. Uh, but this one, uh, happy, sorry, uh, 2000 whatever. Uh, I, I thought that it, it really uh, led, to, led or lent itself towards this idea of wonder and being lost. I'll tell a quick story while we're yes, yes, getting it ready. Um, last weekend, I was in Sydney for World Pride, and um, I was at Carriageworks because I had to perform it at, at, as part of the festival. And I was in um, Carriageworks with my partner, and we're standing there, and we're looking at the Aboriginal marketplace. And I looked to my right, and I saw Zachariah from yes. Electric Fields, and I yes. haven't seen Zachariah in years. Right, and I was right. like, "Oh my god, are they going to remember me?" So I was like. Eh, eh, you know? <laughs> and it was this absolutely beautiful reunion um, between us. So it was absolutely fantastic. I love Zachariah and I love Electric Fields. Oh my. Yes, my blood with the eyes of a panther. With your cosmic skin and a celestial dancer. Oh, yes, I know this, but I know your energy is loud. I've been knocking you directly when I see you in the Up from the paranoid place, 
spinning in an outer space on a mortis temple. Millennia. Two thousand and whatever. I think I need to go and like join in electric fields uh, with my voice. But we're back. We're back with the amazing BB uh, Backhouse, and we're chatting about uh, his new book, uh, More Than These Bones. Now we had a really for those who missed out, we had a little bit of intro about what the book was about, and I wanted to have a chat with BB now, just really around. I guess the whole book is uh, sort of shares things that you're sort of inspired about, and um, I guess uh, as you progress through reading the book. You can sort of get a gist of that, but what was why was it so important for you to to, to let this book out and for this mm. to be published? I'll tell you a little story. Um, so, the original catalyst behind the book was um, Adam. Not exactly proud to say this, but I'll say it. It was a it was a revenge piece. Was okay. the original plan? I was. You know, I was petty. Yeah. What can I say? But I was really hurt by my ex-partner. And there was just so much that happened in the last few years of our relationship that, yeah, I was hurt and I yeah. was angry. And there was this really false narrative that had been fed into, you know, our community right. about me and about this relationship that we had. And I thought, no, I want to write these wrongs. And so I started yeah. to, to write the book and, and, and put in new pieces that really told my side of the story. And as soon as I started doing that, I thought, nah, 
now this guy doesn't deserve a book written about him. And it's really um, cathartic to be able to write about the truth of the experiences. And um, with the idea that this was going to be shared. And it wasn't empowering in the sense that it was going, oh, well, this is good because now my truth is getting out there. It was just this massive release for me where I was able to go um, write about it. How people respond and react yeah. doesn't matter yeah. because it's out there. It's out of your system. You've told your story. And for me, telling my story was important because of the fact that I'm black, you know, yeah, and, and we're natural storytellers. And we've been doing that for tens of thousands of years through song yeah. and dance and art. And so this was just a natural process for me. Um, where I really did struggle with was uh, in terms of a confessional and a sharing perspective was writing about myself and my own struggles. So, you know, I successfully live with mental illness and um, I, pre any kind of formal diagnoses, um, I had a tough time and I had a, a, right. a really tough childhood and I do, you know, um, draw on that in certain pieces in, within the book. Um, but I'd never spoken about that with anybody aside from my close family circle right. and very close friends. So writing that was was really scary yeah. and um, it tested me to go, how brave can you actually be here, Bibi? Yeah. Um, I always consider myself very courageous, but this was something else. And so being able to write about myself, write about my ex, write about my friends, write about my lovers, my my grandmother, my family, it was all feeding into the necessity that I felt to share my story so yeah. that I could understand it. Yes. Because I I had been through so much and I hadn't really allowed myself to take this helicopter view to go, what on earth has happened and how has this defined you? But what are you going to do with all of this next? And so that's why it was important. And I had to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you touched on it in, in, in terms of it being a, a love story, being mm. a black queer love story. Uh, but I think ultimately it, it is a love story for yourself as well. Mm. Because I think um, reading through it, uh, there was a lot of the parts around the uh, the relationship. And then you mentioned how it touched a little bit on your grandmother and, um, and the process of that. Like I was already heartbroken um, in like the first portion of the book and then adding the grandmother part of it the family element it was like oh my god can i be double heartbroken right now yeah. like and it was like even as a reader it felt cathartic like mm. i i one of the the opening sort of poems or the first couple of poems um you spoke about the the the, the falling in love part mm. and you know you're, you're playing pool table and he's across the room it's like a bar and you mentioned like winfield blue cigarettes yeah. <laughs> Uh, in like the, the the Canadian club drinks, I'm like, oh my god, that's what I do every weekend. Like, oh my god, I resonate with that. Like, oh my god, were you there? Yeah, I was there. I was there. And I'm like, I love pool table. I love yeah. it. Um, and, and knowing that it was coming from um, a, a black perspective, a, pe- a person of color perspective, mm. I'm like, I read other books and they're drinking wine and all these kind of things. I'm like, that's not my life. That doesn't feel like uh, what I would do or where mm. I would be. And this this uh, re- the romance started in Melbourne or in the were you from the Kimberley? Yeah, it started in the Kimberley. It started in the Kimberley, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
what was that like at that time? Like, uh, what was, I mean, we, we know that there's progress in terms of uh, representation and people being out and, and that sort of thing. Mm. I can imagine the Kimberly being a very different time uh, mm. in this love story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was growing up, so I, I grew up in this tiny little coastal town uh, in the outback and we had... I'd say maybe between five and 6,000 people in, in the town and also the outlying communities. Right. Majority of that population was Indigenous. Right. Um, and in terms of a uh, an LGBT community, I didn't really get a grasp of it until I was in my teens. Right. <clears throat> but at that point, I remember there was about only five out identified oh, people in okay. the entire town. Um, and I just remember them being different. Right. You right. know, th- as in that's the way that the town presented them. They're, okay. they're kind of the outcasts within the outcasts. Right. And um, so I, but at the same time, I never understood those concepts of sexuality when I was growing yes. up. I mean, this is just me rambling now, but when I was growing up, I when I first started to think about my sexuality or question the idea, in fact, that I was attracted to boys, I didn't understand that that was a homosexual attraction. Right. I thought that that made me a girl. Oh, okay. Because I didn't know about sexuality. I was never right. taught about it and because right. it just didn't exist. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, so I, when I met this guy, he was in Sydney. Uh-huh. He, was, um, he had just come from Sydney. He was living there. And he was from the entertainment industry. Right. And so he was, he had just finished filming this TV show and everybody wanted a slice of him. Like and a celebrity. Yeah, time. exactly. Right, and right. I was just like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't watch <laughs> reality TV. Go away. You know? <laughs> You're not going to get me. Not tonight. But, um, <laughs> and so, <clears throat> but when I met him, um, that's all it was, was me just meeting this random guy. Mm. I didn't understand him. I didn't get the hype. Yeah. And then later, you know, a couple of weeks later, we ended up uh, hooking up for the first time. And that was the scariest thing I've ever done. Right. And <laughs> I mean, the story behind it, I was living with my brother at the time and it happened in the house with my brother asleep right. in the room next door. So right. I was like, you need to shut up. Yes. <laughs> Be quiet. But you know, the whole typical sneaking out the next yes. morning when my brother's gone to work and making sure that none of the neighbors see and all this sort of stuff. But it very quickly grew into this romantic attachment. Right. And um, I personally, at that point in time, didn't want anything to do with him. You right. know, I was like, well, well, I've had that experience and yeah. that's all I needed. Now I can say I've done it. Yeah. And then, you know, time went by and it proved another thing where I fell madly in love with him and then the next brave step of needing to come out and be myself. And that was this huge emancipation from my former life and identity and able to step into being who I knew that I was deep down. Um, And surprisingly, the town was extremely supportive um, and welcoming. And I think it was different for me because all of the other kind of um, you know, members of the queer community who had been living in the town were from a different generation. And so I was in this place where I was kind of the first one from a younger generation to come out and be in this relationship and kind of set the tone for the future, if I, might, if I may. Um, and so I was really glad about that. But at the same time, I very quickly outgrew it. Right. Um, and that's when we left the remote life behind and moved to the big smoke. 
Amazing. Have you have you been back? Have you like have you been back to the community? Where yeah. You, um, yeah. Have things sort of changed? Is there? Bit, oh my like, god! There are the... so many gay people there now. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, shout you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> shout out. The pioneer is here. Exactly. Nah. Where's my red carpet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the OG. But well, it's yeah. yeah, it's lovely to go back and and see. I mean, they've even got their own Pride Festival now. Right. Yeah, they've oh got their own. God. Pride Fest and it happens every year and people from the city, like in Perth, uh-huh. fly up there every single year for it. Like it's actually pretty big. Oh um my. and I'm loving seeing that. Yes. It's just really warming and um but I know it, it makes me feel even better because I know that if I were to go back now, that I would never have anything to worry about. But it does make me sad to know yeah. that that's not the world that I grew up in. Right. Um but that doesn't matter as much as it's the world that, you know, those young kids are growing up in now. Yeah. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Absolutely. I I resonated with it again because I recently uh, had the opportunity to go to the island of uh, Golowinku, um up in, in a remote community in Darwin. Mm. And, um, it leads us into our next song, but I'm playing this song in reference to the photo that you have on page 133. Um, if you could describe this photo a little bit for us. Ooh, yes, that is the house that my grandmother died in. And um, it was on a street called Bardwell Street. And so it, it corresponds to a poem called The Bardwell House. Um, but it, I, I, I haven't been back to that house since that day since she died. Yeah. Um, but that's where I spent the last six weeks of my grandmother's life. Um, with her there and so looking at this photograph represents an entire lifetime of stories in in one page amazing um i know it's a little bit of a long poem would you like to share this one with oh us? i would love to yes. she sat in the living room with one leg folded behind the other sipping carelessly on her cup of milky tea one sat at the dining room table trying to complete the final crossword in the book the other cleaning to be distracted from the silence of the house. She stared out into the backyard, through the patio, and watched the man by the fence. She was sure she had seen him before. He was peculiarly familiar, as if she knew him once. His face, right then, was so different to what it once was. There were so many questions to be asked about the strange man at the fence, but no question was asked out loud, and no second thought was given to him once he disappeared from her imagination. He had existed once, as much as she was alive then, but she closed her eyes and fell asleep, as her cup of tea sat cold, the house not clean, the crossword unfinished. That was B.B. Blackhouse uh, and the Bardwell House. And that leads us to our song by Baker Boy from Alco Island, uh, Medellin. Music is the Medellin. These beats got us out of control. Turns around like you never get old. Breaking and popping on my boys, pop locking. Got us feeling like we out of this world. Eat your mask, get the young one, battle like a goring alligo. Go more in a tumor in a group of me, use the mother to beat. Could you mark only meeting the price? Go hard, never lay back, lay back. Too real, can't fake that, fake that. Smile for the time, like take that, take that. Shout out to the audience, like way back, way back. You got stage right? No problem. You got neck brace? No problem. You got two left feet, can't catch that beat, take a deep breath, cause I got this, yo. 
You got neck brace, no problem. You got two left feet, can't catch that beat. Take a deep breath, cause I got this job. Free your mind If you're driven for the vision Then I'm down to ride Where the beat drop Damn me you'll find And we still in the city But the crowd going wild Ooh, Yeah Keep it banging through the system Light it up Start it up Like an engine Bars on lock Put the music freedom And the booty drum Go for up a bum bum Hey Okay yeah come I give you some 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 of this Make it jump Do it just to do it And I do it till it's done Connect with the sound People over income That's team That's squad Get the picture That's us That's mob If you with us Just be Yeah the queen is in the building You better come correct Knocking at the kingdom, yeah. Okay, is it with us? Yeah. Okay, is it with us? JSB, yeah, the queen is in the building. You better come correct if you're knocking at the kingdom. Baker Boy, one of my favorite tracks of all time in general. And we're here on Queering the Air with uh, B.B. Backhouse. Um, and we're having a chat about uh, his uh, new book, uh, More Than These Bones. Uh, now, B.B., again, uh, it, it's always an honor just being able to have a chat with you. And we have had a little bit of a chat around uh, some of the things to do with More Than These Bones. But I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about uh, some of the things on your bio, some mm. of the things that you've been up to and getting, um, well, in particular. I wanted to have a chat to you around just a creative process and you've done some creative producing and directing in youth theatre and festivals. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that experience? And yeah. I mean, it's a whole big, it's a whole big question, but yeah. um, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I suppose it started when I was nine years old and I, I went to my mum one day and I said, I want to learn the violin because my friends learn the violin. Um, and so the, the music teacher in town was this little old nun, uh, Sister Camille. And so she took me to see the nun and the nun says, hold out your hands. And so I held out my hands and she goes, I will teach you, but I'll teach you the piano, not the violin. Okay. I said, nah, don't want a bar of it. <laughs> Did I stutter? I said violin. <laughs> but uh, she said, no, you've got perfect piano hands. And I was like, no, all right, we'll give it a go. And then I fell in love with it. And I think that's where it all started. I mean, I always knew I was creative and I wanted to be able to create and make things. Um, and I started learning the piano, piano and I just fell in love with creativity and art. Um, and I... You know, then as I got older and progressed through the years with my music, I started composing and that then introduced me to different people through opening doors. And I met um, uh, Deborah Cheatham and she was doing a national talent search for uh, a production that she was working on, Australia's first Aboriginal opera called Pecan Summer. Nice. And so I was introduced to the world, a bigger world of classical music through Deborah. But when I worked on that, I thought, you know what? I've been 
on stage performing on, with the piano and I've been composing and everything now, I, I really like this idea of working behind the scenes because I saw a different side of it through that through the opera. And um, so I moved into events and I really fell in love with producing at a community level when I used to work at Federation Square. Right. Just the festivals and projects that we used to build from scratch for yes. free for the community to experience. Um, that just sent me and right. I, I wanted to do more and I wanted to work with children and young people and I worked up in, you know, the Mallee District up in Swan Hill and, and Mildura and did um, theatre projects with Aboriginal and refugee communities and um, I did dance productions in Aotearoa, New Zealand, Belgium, France and each of those opportunities were just ways that I could help to tell a story and bring it together and then have other people tell that for me um, in a creative way that I produced, right. you know? And so I'd try to go, okay, what's been done before? What hasn't? What can we do differently? And how can we blend all of these voices into creating something absolutely wonderful for people? And that was that's what it was about for me was... I didn't want any accolade and I don't, didn't right. want any applause. Not for me. If anyone was going to applause, I wanted them to applaud for the people on the stage right. because right. they're the ones who made the magic and, and um, being able to see the way a community responds to something you've made right. was the biggest reward that I could get. Who was uh, someone or any type of person that saw the magic in you? There was a... Um, a woman, well, there is a woman, her name's Janina Harding, and I met her many years ago, and she had, I was very green at this point, and I barely knew anything about the Victorian Aboriginal community and scene, and she had a very senior position in that industry, and we built a good friendship, and we went out one night for, it was her farewell, she was leaving Nam and she was moving up to Queensland, um, to Yagambeh country, and we had a conversation and she said, Bibi, keep doing the things that you're doing and you'll be taking it for my job one day. Mm. And I thought, oh, stop it, <laughs> but tell me more, you know. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> and strangely enough, you know, more than 10 years later, I did. I moved oh, into her position. Yeah. Um, and I found that really incredible that someone I, you know, barely knew in this grand scheme of things saw this potential in me, called the shot and 10 years later it happened. And, but it was, it was her making that comment to me and saying, you know, keep doing what you're doing and yeah. you're going to take my job. It let me know, all right, I'm doing something right. Yeah. And I've got to keep doing this, keep moving in that direction to keep myself pushed and to make sure that I continue achieving and delivering for my people. Oh, I love that, baby. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure that, I don't know, in another 10, 15 years, there's going to be a lot of people saying the same about yourself, that you sort of, you know, put them or saw the magic in them and mm. really, really appreciate that in terms of your creative journey. I It leads us to our next song, but what I wanted to uh, touch base on was throughout the book there, you've got your poems, but then you also have little drawings mm. or little, like, uh, you, you, it looks like writing. Yep. Um, how does, how, how, what, what does that that 
does that lead does that add to the poem for you or was there like a, a strategic reason why you did those little things yeah there's all these different kind of versions of of hand drawn notes and scribbles throughout it the hand drawn notes were direct excerpts like photocopies basically okay. from my journals right um and the illustrations themselves were the very last touch to go into the manuscript and it was following a conversation with my editor yeah and she said you know bb when i read this each piece kind of you know evokes a, a, an image in my mind right and it deepens my experience of reading the book so i would like you to go back reread your poems uh-huh. And to put the pen to paper again and draw down any image that pops into your head as you read. And I did that, you know, for certain poems, not all of them, yeah. um, but certain ones where a really strong image came through. Um, and some of them were really abstract, you know, that had nothing necessarily to do with the actual subject matter of the poem, but it's still the image that I saw. Right. Um, and then also, you know, there are little images um, yes. that... Uh, are the more um, that lack sort of more context than others, and they're actually um, my tattoos. Oh, okay. yeah! I, I right. drew in little versions of some of my tattoos because I thought, you know, I designed each of my tattoos. Yes. Um, and so, if I'm going to continue this idea of sharing pieces of myself with people. I'll literally give them pieces of my skin. Of your flesh. <laughs> yeah. It explains why the back is this piece of your flesh. Yeah, so. yeah, and the reference to each line, a tattoo yeah. of an echo. Yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, there was one poem that I thought was was so pretty. I mean, the whole book to me was, was stunning, but mm, thank it's you. on page uh, 178. And it, I literally just landed on that. Yeah. Even, yeah. Oh, oh my god, be, it's meant to be. <laughs> because it wasn't an image. It was like a word. It was like a little. It was extra words. Uh, could you explain a little bit about um, this poem? Yeah. Uh, Liangan. So, Liangan in my language is um, a phrase that we use to decide. Right. Um, if we have a big decision to make, or even a small one, mm-hmm. it can't be made if we're not feeling the the full force of Lian Ngan. Right. Um, and so the note that I'd written there is Lian Ngan, Yaru, and Yaru is um, uh, the tribal group of where I grew right, up, but not right. necessarily my tribal group. And right. it's, next to that says coming together of the spirit, because yes. if we did have... Um, an English translation of Lian Ngan, that's what it would mean. Right. Um, I suppose, you know, we could liken it to um, the gut instinct. But right. to, for us, it's much deeper than the gut and an instinct. Oh, my, and the poem is beautiful. Thank you. Would we have the honour to hear you? Absolutely. This, this is Lian Ngan. I'll kiss my family goodbye. I'll put distance between us time after time. But I'll carry them with me within my heart, my mind, and my stomach. I don't live in this world alone, because they are the world which lives deep within me. That was Bibi Backhouse and Lian Nan. And that leads us to our next song, the beautiful and effortless Jessica Mowboy with Time After Time. Oh. you 
the air and I'm Tony K. Fretton and I'm having a chat today with B.B. Backhouse about his beautiful book uh, More, Than These Bo- uh, More Than These Bones. Now we have a question from one of our f- super fans, Sasha Sidek, and her question was really, uh, B.B., how long was the process of putting together this uh, this book? Well, a shout out to Sasha. Um, it, it took about three and a half years all up from start to finish. Um, the compilation, I mean, it went through so many different iterations and versions. Um, every single one of them I was not happy with. Um, I'd finish, you know, version one and go, wow, I love what I've written. This is fantastic. And then two days later, I'd reread it and go, oh, I can't stand this. And so I'd just move through that constant creative process of revising and reviewing and, you know, repeat, you know, like tour, tour, another bus. Um, and then uh, I when it was actually through the editing process, working with my editor, um, Annie Tefu, she had said to me, BB, a writer can't share what they've written with the world right. until they believe in what they've written. Right. Do you believe in it? And it wasn't until I asked myself that question where I actually went, you know what? I do, and I'm ready. So yes. three and a half years later, we finally got there. Amazing. Awesome. Now, because of our time, I've got a lot, a lot, lot of questions, but I want to get every single one in. Now, I've got a question around, uh, we mentioned about the different uh, uh, drawings and different pictures that you put in the book, but I, I, I guess we had a, we, we touched on this earlier, but some of the photographs. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the photographs that I was like, oh my God, wow, was on page 13. Mm-hmm. And it was striking for me because <laughs> I see you gasping for air. <laughs> that it was striking for me because because I'm like, this looks angry. Like, yeah. This, the, I, I, I understand now around, uh, you said, look, this is a story being petty about your ex. And, yes. And, <laughs> and when you said that, I was like, I, I, it, it makes me think of page 13. Yeah. Can you describe this? <laughs> <laughs> the tea. Um, this was, uh, this photograph was taken at Piha Beach in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And um, uh, it was a beautiful day. Mm. And we went with a bunch of friends. We were in um, Aotearoa uh, doing a, a, a theatre performance, a dance theatre performance um, that I was producing and my ex was performing in. Um, I put this photo in there in its current form. And to, to give everyone an idea of what Tony's referring yes. to, it's a photo of me and my ex-partner standing in the this entrance to this cave with the beach behind us. Um, and our faces are scratched out. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the short answer is I just wanted to be able to create anonymity, mm-hmm. um, you know, but also to as you've mentioned, just send the message of anger and frustration. Yes. This was a beautiful day and the whole thing's just gone to poo now. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, it, it, it's it's just that. It's to, you know, I've left kind of shades of his eyes through those lines as well because even though as two people together we're no more, we still exist as individuals. 
I love that. And I think it really encapsulates the poem next to it, mm. uh, Wonder Lost. Would we have the honour for you to read this one for us, to introduce our next song as well? I did that one already. Oh, did you? I did. Okay. Well, in that case, we're going straight to our next song, <laughs> which is um, Samuel Gaskin from Aotearoa um, and South Africa and his song, Reckoning. Fuck it all, give me a tongue, I'll tell you what. 
Oh my life, Samuel Gaskin. I love you, love you, love you. Um, and I'm Tony K. Fretton. I'm here on Queering the Air, and we're in studio with BB Backhouse having a wonderful chat about more than these bones. And um, I feel so honored to have had this chat so far. And um, but BB, um, we're wrapping up our show. We'd really love to have a chat about uh, number one. We know that there's other things happening and different things uh, mm. happening in your world. And how can people get connected? How can people buy the book? And um, just everyone needs this book. Every single queer person needs this book. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the. This is our this is our promotion time. Oh God, <laughs> I really struggle with this. Where's my partner when I need him? He's my publicist. Hi, I Jeremy. need to. <laughs> Jeremy, are you listening? Get in here. Um, no, I, I. Okay, so the book is out. Um, you can find it at most. Um, Book retailers. Yes. Um, the lead distributor is Readings. Yes. Um, so any Readings has it. It's also in Dimmicks, but also online at mugabala.com.au. Um, just Google more than these bones. You can yeah. order it online or find it in most leading bookstores. Um, there is also a physical launch mm-hmm. um, happening on Thursday, the 23rd of March, which coincidentally is the fifth anniversary of my grandmother's passing. Um, okay. So it's going to be a big day. Um, Otherwise, just follow me on Instagram at bb.backhouse. Um, and, you know, I randomly post updates on there as well, as well as, you know, little things that I've written. Um, but some other things that I've been working on, there's um, book number two yes, is okay. finished. Okay, exactly. Um, and that's now in development to go through that publishing process, cover design and editing and all the rest of it. And uh-huh. it's called At This Stage, If This Is The End. Um, I say at this stage because knowing me, it's going to change 25 times. Um, but it, yeah, it's called If This Is The End. And it's kind of a, a 2.0 of more than these bones, but it's more of a very in-depth look at myself and my childhood and who I think I am. Right. Um, I've also, there's a really special uh, anthology called Nangamai Managerali, which was released as part of uh, Sydney World Pride. Mm-hmm. And it's an anthology of um, queer black poets okay. um, from around Australia. And we talk to the theme. Um, so Nangamai Managerali is Gadigal language for Dream, Gather, Grow, um, which was the right. adaptation of the Sydney World Pride theme. Yes. Um, so there's that. That's now released and out there. I've got two pieces in that. Um, there's also an exhibition, a really special exhibition um, in Sydney, in Leichhardt, in the uh, Bumali Gallery, okay. which is an Aboriginal art gallery there. And one of my pieces, My Grandmother's Two Brown Hands, was interpreted um, by an incredible Aboriginal um, gay artist. Her name is Kirili Dawn. And she's interpreted my words into a series of woven basket pieces. Um, and that's in Bumali. So there's um, also another project that I'm working on. Uh, sorry, that exhibition's on until the 31st of March, I believe. Yep. Um, Bumali Gallery in Leichhardt in Sydney. And there's also another project that I've, I'm working on at the moment called Fair Trade, where I'm actually working internationally with a poet. His name is um, Peter Sapelli. Okay. Um, he's a First Nations writer from Fiji. Wow. And we're co-writing a piece together um, digitally over emails, over text messages and phone calls and Zoom meetings. Um, and that's going into an anthology that is being released later this year as well um, of, of similar pieces that have been co-written by First Nations people from around the world as part of the Fair Trade Project. 
Oh my gosh. Mm. Okay. So you've got no excuse not to connect with BB Backhouse. There's so many different ways. And I remember uh, I did Google to, to, to get the book and the people at Reading's at, um, uh, sorry, at QV, uh, the mall there, they, they were like, they picked up the phone and like, oh yes, I read that book. Oh. Uh, big, so big shout out to them. Um, now we're going to- So they should. Yeah, so they should. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to wrap it up with um, something. We're going to wrap up with a song.